Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Hey, so today we'll start this new series, We Are. And it is a series for us to talk about what does it mean for us to be a part of a community called First Orlando or First Baptist Orlando? What does this mean? What is this community about? And, and, and what, how do we become a part of it? And, and what does being a part of it mean? And what is our role in this city? Why does God have us here? Uh, Jarian, who was just singing that mercy song for us, told a story a couple weeks ago. Jarian grew up just across the street in Richmond Heights neighborhood. And Jarian tells that when he was a kid living there, seeing this church, uh, it was like uh, the chocolate factory in Willy Wonka, right? It was this big building, and he's not sure what goes on inside. There must be something happening, but I'm not sure what's happening on the inside. And do you know, I think there's a lot of people that look at it that same way. They drive by here, or they hear one of us say something about our church or where we go to church, And they think to themselves, I wonder what it's like inside of there. I wonder what they do and who they are and how does it happen and and people want to know. And so we're just going to spend these next few weekends talking about and and reminding ourselves and telling our community, this is who we are. This is why God has has us here. And to do so, we're going to uh, look at a conversation or a, a letter that Paul wrote to some friends in a city where he had started a church because Paul's approach to them, the way he viewed them, we should mirror in the way we view our city and in the, the way we um, approach our city and the way we're trying to bring good news to our city is very similar to the way Paul was doing it in a city called Thessalonica. So I'm gonna invite you, uh, we're gonna read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses one through eight. Again, in this section, Paul's reminding the church there how he came when he first came, what his approach was when he came. We're going to read verses 1 through 8, and then we're going to focus on verses 7 and 8. But let's, I'll read it here, and you can follow along. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. And here we get to verses 7 and 8. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also ourselves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul's declaration to them should actually be ours as well. Let's look a little deeper uh, first at the way he introduces this in verse 1. He says this, 
For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. That phrase, not in vain, is actually could be translated empty. He didn't want his going to Thessalonica to be empty. What does that mean? He didn't want it to be without value, without worth, without meaning. Wouldn't that be for us too? Would any of us want our time in Central Florida or even our time on earth, our time in the job we're in, our time in any kind of role that we're in to be worthless, to be empty? None of us would want that. We want our time to matter. We want it to be worthwhile. We don't want it to be empty. And especially as we consider who we are as the body of Christ and how we take Jesus with us where we live, work, and play and the differences that we can make, I love the way David says it often. He says this, we want Orlando to be different because First Baptist Orlando is here. We don't want it to be empty. We want to be significant. We want it to matter that we exist. And so the approach that Paul takes, he was saying the same thing. I don't want it to be empty. I don't want it to be vain, in vain. I want it to be worth something. An approach is important. The way you approach somebody the posture of your heart and your mind is very important. You know that. We all know that. Like if you're trying to talk to your boss or talk to your spouse, you're trying to convince somebody of something, the way and the timing and the words you speak are really important. The posture of your mind and the posture of your heart. Sometimes the posture of your body. I know I can tell you, Betsy rarely will come to me to ask me something if she really wants us to do something when I'm hangry, right? Like feed me and you know get me in a good mood and then then you can ask anything right and so it's the approach that you have and Paul knew that and he outlined some of that approach and I want us to look at Paul's approach and say how can we be the same way beginning in verse 7 here's what he says but we were gentle among you the phrase gentle Paul was gentle with them. He knew his approach needed to be gentle. Now, uh, most of you have studied the Bible for a while, and you know we talk a lot about Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. Gentle is not a word I associate with Paul. Like driving, intense, uh, always on the go, traveling. I mean, he did these missionary journeys all over his part of the world. He was a nonstop person. And yet, when he's talking to them, he says, we were gentle among you. What a beautiful picture for Paul. This term, gentle among you, could actually be, has two different meanings. One is it could actually be translated as infant. So he's saying, I'm like a fellow infant, a fellow baby. As you're learning what it means to follow Jesus, I'm right there with you. I'm a baby with you trying to learn as well. What a beautiful picture he paints. Or it can also mean like a mom, because he actually expands it in, uh, later in the verse saying, like a mom taking care of her child. And Paul, taking that posture towards um, the people of Thessalonica, said, I'm gentle with you, careful with you. I'm not intense and angry and harsh, but I'm gentle with you. He, he goes on to expand. So what does it mean to be gentle? Does that limit me in any way? What can I talk about? What can I do? What, what does gentle mean? Let's look at verse 3 because he unpacks it a little bit. Our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. So even though he's gentle, he's telling the truth. 
He doesn't back up from what is true. Sometimes we think, well, if I'm going to be gentle, I can't tell people the truth. I got to just, just let them be and not make them uncomfortable. That's not true. Sometimes it's okay to tell the truth. In fact, always tell the truth, but do so gently. That's the way Jesus was. He told the truth gently. And Paul is leading with truth. He leads always with truth. And he doesn't, he's not bashful about telling the truth. And truth is critical. We really have nothing to share if we don't share truth. But we can do it gently. We can do it with kindness. We can do it with a smile on our face. We don't have to be mad about the truth. We can be happy about the truth because guess what it is? Good news. And sometimes I want to say, tell your face that it's good news. Like smile about it. It's good news that we're talking about and be gentle in the way we do it. But it is right to speak truth. And sometimes we've, we are hesitant to do it. I, let me give you just a couple of examples of truth that we cannot back up from. And we will not. There's no need to back up from, but we can say them gently. And one is that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's not all paths lead to heaven. It's not that way. There is one man that leads to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. It's the only way. But we can say it gently. You can applaud that. That's the great truth. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And a secondary part to that is that to follow Jesus requires repentance. You got to change your way. Jesus' most common invitation to people when he was walking on earth, inviting him into his kingdom, at least the one that we read about, is two words. Here are the two words. Follow me. Jesus didn't say, hey, where are you going? I'm going to follow you. That would not require repentance on our part. Jesus said, no, no, no. To follow me, you got to stop going your way. You got to go my way. And it's the only way to follow Jesus. The only way to, to go to heaven is to follow Jesus. You can't do it any other way. And that sometimes some people hear that and it's a hard truth. But we can say it and say it gently. So, uh, so being gentle doesn't mean we don't tell the truth. We can still tell the truth, just do so gently. Warren Wiersbe said, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. So we love, but give truth as well. It just doesn't have to be mean and harsh, and we don't have to be in a bad, bad mood about it. Hard truth can be communicated gently and compassionately, and Jesus was great about that. Jesus said some of the toughest things in a gentle way. He was not harsh and critical and angry. He was gentle. He was loving. He was compassionate. He was kind. He was a gentle man, is what he was. Let me give you a further explanation of this. In, uh, in verse 5, it says this, for we never came with words of flattery or words of pretext. Let me just explain these terms quickly. Flattery, you know what it is. It's, it's saying, it's tailoring a truth to make it fit popular opinion, making more of somebody that you don't need to, that's not gentleness. That's, you don't need flattery. And then pretext is wearing a mask. That's the word for putting a mask on. And gentle, you don't wear a mask to be gentle. I, I think sometimes as believers, we, we put on masks of perfection. 
Like we try to act like we've got it all together. And that you don't need to do that to, uh, in order to be gentle. Actually, it's the opposite helps way more. I say it this way. Gentle is facing forward with honesty, transparency, and vulnerability. That's what it means to be gentle. And here at First Orlando, everybody is invited. Everybody's invited. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter who your parents are, where you were raised, what language you speak, no matter anything else about you, everybody's invited to come here and to meet Jesus and to become who Jesus has created us to be. We want to be that welcoming community and we're also a nurturing community to help people become who God wants them to be. You know what we want to be like? We want to be like a gentle, caring parent, giving people time and space for God to make out of them whatever he wants to do, for God to do his work in them. And while it's beautifully true that all of us are welcome here, it's also true that none of us are welcome to stay the way we are. All of us, everyone, everyone here, me included, David included, all of us are on a journey with Jesus. And we don't stay the way we are. You, you should not be the way you are today in a month from now or a year from now. All of us are in growth with Jesus. Everybody changing. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to move with him. All of us should be doing that. And this is a welcoming community where we can where you don't have to qualify. You don't have to come in with a standard. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. You don't have to have heard from Jesus before. Again, it doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter what your past is. No, no past is, is disqualifying to you. But I will tell you this, there's nothing that gives you enough credibility. Everybody can start at the same place and everybody moves in their journey with Jesus. All of us doing this, beautifully walking together. I think that's what Paul was getting at. We're I was gentle among you, making it a welcoming place for everybody. When I was a young man in this church, this tradition of being a welcoming place has is, is been around for a long time. And a teenager here, there was a, a naval training center, a Navy base, where Baldwin Park is today. That's what it was. And uh, almost every weekend, especially at certain times of the year, I guess it was when the training would start, there would be sailors who would come to one of the services. And the, the sailors, we could always tell because they wore a uniform. They were not hard to pick out. Sometimes I wish new people here, you'd wear a uniform so we could pick you out. But they wore these, these bright colored uniforms and when they'd be in the service, you just see them walk in and sit down and it wouldn't take 10 seconds, somebody else would walk over to them and shake their hand and get their name and where are you from and it's great to see you. And then another one would walk in and there'd be four or five people on top of that one at meeting and saying hello. Sometimes it was ladies, the same kind of thing. And it came to be so common that I don't think any sailor ever left our church without an invitation to eat lunch afterwards because they were covered up with people wanting to meet them and know who they were. In fact, I think the word got out at the Naval Training Center that if you show up there, you get to go eat at Morrison's after church. So, just so you know. Isn't it a beautiful thing? That's the kind of welcoming community we are, that anybody can come here. And we're going to be gentle with them. Paul's approach was gentle, and Paul's approach was also, we're going to read, loving. 
Let's read it in verse 8. He says this, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. I want to focus a second on these two terms, affectionately desirous and very dear. Paul uses these terms that are not used anywhere else to talk about his love for the people of Thessalonica. The bottom line is he's saying, I love you. I loved you very much, and it's why I did the things that I did. He loved them, and he liked them. They're dear and beautiful to him. This term, affectionately desirous, uh, it's, a, it's actually something that's used as a, as a, in funerals and stuff. It actually describes the longing you have for somebody um, who has passed away that distance of longing, saying, man, I wish you were still here. It's also a, a statement that is, as they say, chiseled in stone. It'll never change. And it's this beautiful picture of Paul's heart towards the people of Thessalonica. I'm affectionately desirous of you. I mean, I, I think that's a beautiful term. I might use that with Betsy. Who knows? I'm affectionately desirous of you. Isn't that beautiful? The way he says it, he's saying, you're very dear to us. This idea of very dear is, he uses the term where we uh, also hear agape. It's a godly, pure love that he's sharing. He says, describing the love that he has for them. There's no substitute in approaching the city, in approaching people with the gospel. There is no substitute for love. Nothing is as powerful as love to give us the credibility and the opportunity to speak to them. And, and look at how he explains what that love causes. Also in verse 8, he says this, that affectionately desirous, we were ready, here's what he says, to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. So what he's saying is, I didn't come with, to you with just truth, with just information. I came to you and I gave you myself my whole life. I was transparent and vulnerable in front of you. And I did life with you. I got to know you and I love you and I care for you. And in the midst of that, while I was sharing myself, I shared the gospel with you. Not just the gospel, but my life and the gospel. That is our approach. That is the way we reach our, our friends and our neighbors and our families, is that we give ourselves and the gospel you know, if we're, if we're detached from those we're trying to share with, or those we're trying to reach, it's as though we haven't been changed by the good news that we're trying to share. When we're changed by that, we, it's, it's our whole lives that we share. We get to know people. We care about them, and we, we do everything we can to, to become friends with them. Genuine friends, genuine relationships. And people may not want to hear what we have to say about the gospel until, until we've built that credibility with love. It's kind of like we earn the right to be heard when they know that we love them. And we don't have influence just because we're right. Can I tell you that? We don't have influence just because we know truth. We have influence when we love. When we love people, they want to know, wow, they did something for me. How? Why did they do that? And love is the strongest force to gain influence or draw people to Jesus. Nothing substitutes for that. Nothing is more powerful than that. 
When we send missionaries all over the world, the thing that plays in the minds of the people they go to is, you left your country where I know you have everything you want, and you did that to come here for me so that you could share your life with me and talk to me about Jesus? It's incomprehensible. It's a powerful force, and we can do the same thing as we befriend the people where we live, work, and play and be a witness for Jesus right there. And when, when we do that, it makes an impact that is, we never know the end of that. I saw it firsthand. I witnessed it. I experienced it. It's probably the better way to say it. And I saw what happens when you love this city. Back in 2011, we had a guest speaker named Bruce Wilkinson who came and spoke here. On the Sunday that he came and spoke, he challenged us. There were home, there was a, a program, 60 Minutes, that highlighted the homeless issue here in Central Florida. And most of us right here were not as aware of it as as we should have been. And that Sunday morning, actually it was a weekend, Saturday and Sunday, he challenged us as a church family to give to help homeless people. And you committed to give five, over $5 million over the next 12 months after that day. And you did it, by the way. We gave over $5 million. And that year, we began to distribute that money to ministry partners all over the city. And the word got out that we were giving money away to help people and there wasn't a venue in the city that David or I could walk into that somebody else in there, uh, one of the county commissioners or city commissioners or the mayors or anybody in business or, or commerce or education, healthcare, any venue that we were in representing the church, representing First Baptist Orlando, people would say, oh, 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 you're from that church that loves Orlando. So yeah, I am. And yeah, we do. And the influence that that gave us, the opportunity it gave us to say, and we'd love to talk to you about Jesus as well, the questions the people asking, what would cause you to do that? I saw it firsthand. And I wonder, what would it take for us to do that again? Maybe it's time we reintroduce ourselves to our community. Maybe it's time we find a way to, 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 to tell our community, here's here's who we are, and we can remind ourselves the way Paul was doing in this little section of Scripture. He's kind of like reminding them and reminding himself what his approach was. How could we tell Central Florida, we are First Orlando, and we care for you. We love you, and we want to be gentle with you, and this is a place where everybody can come learn about Jesus, and everybody can hear truth, and everybody can move in their journey with Jesus. Anybody and everybody, this is a place where we're all welcome. Maybe we can do something that lets them know what's going on inside of the Wonka factory, right? Give them a peek on the inside. Since we started gathering again after COVID, which was June of 2020, Hundreds, if not thousands of people have come to, be a, excuse me, come to be a part of our family that were not previously a part of our family. Many of you are in the room even right now or you're watching online. And the most common chorus that David and I have heard from people, and we've heard it so many times, I just can't even quantify it, over and over and over again is people coming to us and saying, this was incredible being here today or this was incredible watching today. I had no idea this was what's going on inside of there. It's nothing like what I expected. The blend of people and the, 
energy and the excitement and the ages and everything that's going on, I had no idea. Wonder if we could somehow give them a glimpse of who we are. Over this next year in 2022, we're trying to pray about how could we do things that help us make an impact in our city so, so they would know what's going on inside and what God is doing in us. I can tell you next Sunday, David is going to speak on our, our mission as a church that was assigned by Jesus, and he's going to articulate our mission, which Jesus gave us our mission as a church, and David's going to expand on that. But I can tell you this much, that our mission is to make more and better disciples. We make more disciples, more and more people come into faith in Christ, and we make better disciples, those who are already in faith, uh, growing in their journey with Jesus. We're always going to make more and better. That's what we're going to do. And in 2022, maybe there's some things we can do that would help people get a glimpse and maybe, maybe even motivate and launch us to make a difference where we live, work, and play. And so here's just two or three things that I think we've got coming that I just want to plant the seed with you. You can begin to pray with us about these things. One is, if you remember during COVID, we did a thing called Meals and Masks where we distributed food and masks at that time. Well, our partner for that is an organization and ministry called Convoy of Hope. And we're in discussions right now with Convoy of Hope to create opportunities for us to distribute food and hygiene products and to do it two or three times this year. We're not exactly sure what it's gonna look like, but be praying for the Convoy of Hope Day where we get the chance to bless our community and do something that demonstrates that we love them. And then there's a particular area of need where we can make a huge difference in the lives of people and especially in the lives of marginalized and vulnerable children. And we have a ministry, they're headquartered right here on our campus, it's called Fostering Our Future. And we believe that God is asking us to raise up dozens of families in our church to become foster families, to care for foster kids. But those foster families need the support systems around them. And so we want to have, a, you know, a few dozen families, maybe 20, 25, 30, something like that, families that will be foster families, which would make an incredible impact in our community in that area. But that each of those families needs somewhere between eight and ten other families to come walk alongside them to provide the support that's necessary. It's a hard work to be a foster family. And we want to support. So there's a role for everybody. And over this next year, can you imagine the impact it would make if a hundred children, think about it, a hundred children that today are in foster care and don't have access to a family environment like most of us do or had, what have we provided that? What a difference it would make. What a signal it would send that we love people. And then... Lastly, and I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off or not, but you pray with us about it. You remember in October, the end of October, we did this special celebration offering. It was right, uh, celebration for here, there, and everywhere. And we said that particular day as a demonstration of your participation with us, just give an extra offering in addition to what you're doing and, and let it be your indication that you're going to be with us for here, there, and everywhere. And on that one Sunday, you gave over a million dollars to here, there, and everywhere. A million dollars. And it didn't surprise God, but it surprised me. And it surprised David. And in the weeks that followed, he and I started talking about that. And I don't know exactly how the idea emerged, but 
We said, imagine what would happen if we told our people same kind of thing. Hey, we're going to take it one Sunday. We're going to do something special. But this time, instead of it going for something on our campus, let's give all the money away. Let's give it to different ministries that we partner with that help meet needs right here in our community. What would happen if we did that? Now, again, I haven't figured out if we can, but be praying with us. And I'm not going to tell you in advance because you'll start saving all your money for that day. Not today. But you know what? You love this city. You love Orlando. You're for Orlando. And I've seen it over and over and over again. In every encounter that I have, you are a loving people. And I can't imagine what would happen if we actually did and were able to pull off a day like that. You, would you pray with us about that and say, hey God, is there's a way we can do that? Let's find a way to bless our city. Do you ever wonder how I describe you or how I talk about you when you're not around? You ever wonder that? So a few months ago, we had a guest speaker. It was actually, I think last May, May of 21. His name was Jose. He came to speak for us. And in the weeks prior to him coming to speak, um, I, I wanted him to know who you are. And I wasn't sure that he knew about us and you know, when you're going to speak to somebody, it helps if you know a little bit about who's here. And so, without any request from him, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to write him an email as best I can. I'm going to try to describe to him who First Orlando is. I wrote it down in about, I don't know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and I sent it away. And today, I want to read it to you. This is how I talk about you when you're not around. We are First Orlando. We are a diverse, welcoming, multicultural gathering of people. We have white, black, brown, yellow, Hispanic, Haitian, Island, African, Brazilian, Middle Eastern, Indian, and every other blend and mix of people you can imagine. And yes, we even have Venezuelan people here who are just like you. He's from Venezuela. Our services are live translated by paid translators into Spanish and Portuguese. We offer listening devices for those wishing to hear their own, in their own language, and we distribute between 100 and 400 devices each service. We gather every week with people who are exploring and asking questions about Jesus some who are just beginning to walk with Jesus. And we have many who have been following Jesus for decades, and they're growing and leading others to follow Jesus too. We have longtime members of 50 plus years greeting and welcoming new people who are walking in for the very first time. We have those who love traditional music and hymns, and those who know only contemporary music. We have choir lovers and non-music lovers a pipe organ, and loud electric guitars. We have the 99-year-old World War II hero and the millennial immigrant who doesn't know anything about American history sitting on the same row and listening and learning about Jesus together. We have transgender, 
LGBTQ, straight, single, married, divorced, and cohabitating people. These same people attend, listen, serve, grow, and give. We have Democrats, Republicans, independents, and non-registered people. We have documented and undocumented people. We have politically active and socially responsible people. We have pro-life and pro-choice and pro-war and pro-peace. We have support the blue and Black Lives Matter, sitting together and serving together. We have Trumpers and never Trumpers. We have Biden supporters and Harris supporters. We have the ultra-wealthy and the indigent sitting together, singing together, and serving together. We have the social elite and the social outcast. We have the best dressed and the barely dressed. And in the midst of all of this, we have one of the most beautiful worship experiences you can possibly imagine. Because all of us gather around the good news of Jesus and the one who is changing us and the one who unifies us. And we celebrate how he has set us all free from our bondage to sin and given us eternal life. Jose, we are First Orlando. You're a beautiful people. When God sees you, He says, that's good. It's really, really good. And we've, we're just scratching the surface. There's so much yet to be done. Every single one of us. I wish I knew all of your names. I'd call every one of you. Say, God's calling you. He wants to use you to make a difference where you live, work, and play. To be gentle, be loving, take the good news with you. Let's keep making a difference. It, it feels like we're just scratching the surface and I'm hungry for so much more. And can I tell you what we're doing? We're desperately asking God to bring a freshness to what he's doing here and to do a work in us that we can't control and we can't explain. Fill every seat and beyond with people who want to know more about Jesus and people who want to grow with him. And I wanna invite every one of you and those of you that are watching as well to join us in that prayer. I'm gonna invite you to stand where you are and let's pray. I'm gonna lead us and you, you join me. Let's pray together. Before I voice anything, I just wanna lead you in a, a minute or so here for you to, in a way that seems right to you, in a way that works for you, just ask God to do something really unique and special right here in Central Florida and to use us, to use you, to use you in your neighborhood and your job and your school and your family to make a difference for him. Just however you would say that to him, you say it, take a second and say it to him. And then ask God to help us align with his purposes for us, that he can use us any way he wants to and what we're desperate for is for him to do a work here in our city and to use us any way needed 
if needed, to accomplish it. Just say that to him in some way that seems to work for you. And gracious God, we humbly ask, would you do a work here in our midst that we cannot explain or understand? Would the winds of your spirit blow here in such a way that it creates a movement beyond our wildest imaginations? We want to be that gentle and loving community. And God, I know these people and I've watched them interact over and over again and I know what you're creating here is so special. I pray, God, use us. Just help us to be your instruments of grace in this community. Not for our glory, but for the glory of Jesus, that more and more people would come to know him. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.